Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Well, howdy there, friends. Thanks for showing up to the big premiere. It's a whole new season, and nothing's changed a bit. I don't know exactly what I was expecting, but dancing girls or some shit. Cute, Chester. Well, better than nothing, I suppose. Well, I appreciate the enthusiasm. Well, come on in, Casa de Blood, will you? We've got some business to take care of. Hmm. Oh, that's better. Well, I decided to keep it real simple this week. So, we've got a post-apocalyptic sword and sorcery, angel and demon, zombie coming of age, reconstruction era hero's journey for you. Simple. Man, I wonder what Ryan Harville's drinking. Our old friend's got one hell of an imagination. So, smoke them if you got them and drink your glasses to the bottom, y'all. Cause young Drew Blood has a tale to tell. But first, the rigmarole. This is Season 2, Episode 1 of Drew Blood's Dark Tales. You're listening to the standard edition of the program. To show your support and enjoy ad-free versions of this and all our other episodes, as well as hundreds of tales from our audio archives dating back to 2012, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click Patrons in the upper menu to sign up today. And get instant access from our friends at Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights. Got a story of your own? Send it to DrewBloodHarbor at gmail.com. If selected, we'll do business. Again, we've got our friend Ryan Harville with us tonight. Old Faithful. The guy's got more tales than Petco. In this story, we join Tep. He's 18 years old and he's getting his first box. Get it, Drew? He's getting some box. Funny, right, Jeff? Uh, <clears throat> you see what I have to deal with? So, without further ado, from author Ryan Harville, Rough Beasts, 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 God damn it, Rough Beasts. <laughs> 
from author Ryan Harville, I'll give you Rough Beasts. Fuck it. The orange-red of sunset settled over the town, the ramshackle roofs glowing like coals in a dying campfire. Along the high street, shopkeepers began packing up their display wares and locking up for the night, while the low streets came to life. One-room taverns opened their doors, and gambling halls sent out their buxom sirens to lure in the first customers of the night. On the edge of town, where the desert wilderness crept up to its borders, Tep stood over the water pump, quietly cursing. He worked the handle up and down and got nothing. You going to work now, you hear? He said, pulling the handle up again. Now work! He shoved the handle down hard and water spewed from the pump and into the bucket. As he pumped, Tep spared a glance up the hill as sounds of revelry floated down towards him. He knew the low streets would be packed tonight, as if people didn't know the world was ending, or just didn't care. He carried the bucket up the few stairs to the porch and gave the front door a gentle kick near the bottom with the toe of his boot. The front door was warm from the iron stove in the corner. Tep lifted his bucket and emptied it into a pot atop the stove. His grandfather's weathered voice came from the rear room. Tep, that you? Yeah, granddaddy, he said. Took me a minute longer. We gotta replace that old pump before it stops minding me. Uh, don't worry about it now, he said. <sighs> Come on back to the shop for a sec. Tep walked down the short hall and into one of the rear rooms. What he called the shop was a combination of bedroom and workshop. Granddaddy liked to stay close to his work, even in his sleep. He was hunched over his table, his gray dreadlocked hair nearly reaching the floor. One dark and wrinkled hand held the short side up to his face. The other bent around the handle of the burin. Tep watched as he deftly made furrows on the surface of the lead he held in the vise. Long, graceful lines in the lamplight. Have I seen this one before? Tep said. In real life, I mean. Granddaddy tutted. Why the hell you think I call you in here? Tep smiled. You enjoy my company? Not that much, he said with a grin. Looky, you're 16 now. Eighteen, he corrected. Granddaddy eyed him suspiciously, his crow's feet bunching up on either side of his face. Since when? Since my last birthday, two months ago. Ah, well, happy birthday, he said, turning back to his vice. Now, pay attention. Time to learn something. Tip sat down carefully beside him on the bench. The last thing he wanted was a splinter in his ass. Granddaddy pointed with the burin, using it to trace the lines of the glyph he had just made. Yeah, what this? Uh, looks like a box. Maybe container? Yep. And this? Tracing two shorter lines that intersected the first. 
Close? Near? Close enough. <laughs> so what'd that tell you? Tip thought for a moment as he stared at the lines. Closed box? No. The lines are at an angle to each other. Closing box? It's a trap. A sort of containment glyph. Granddaddy slapped him on the back. Ha! You smarter than you look. Tip shot him a sideways glance. How long will it last? Uh, depends on what you got trapped. Mm. A few minutes at most, but that should be enough, he said, and lifted the bullet out of the vice. And done just in time. I hear company coming. Come on. They had barely made it back to the front room when the door was slammed open, bouncing off the wall behind it. A strange man strode inside, his boots thumping heavily on the wooden floor. He wore a long duster, gray and as weathered as his stubbled face. Abel, hey, you jackass, granddaddy spat. You could have knocked. Gonna scare an old man to death. The man smiled. It looked strange on his tan, haggard face. Tep could tell the man was a mix of races. Hell, he could even probably pass for white if he wasn't so brown from the sun. Granddaddy Mose, you've been old as long as I've known you, and you're still kicking? Granddaddy tutted. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be kicking your ass out my house. Get in here and close the door, and get your other beast off my front step. Damn, boy. Abel turned and gestured, and two other people followed him in. Granddaddy, you remember Sutter, Abel said, slapping the white man on his broad shoulder. Sutter bowed his head slightly, his long beard hanging near his belt. He had more hair on his face than on his head, and what was there was bisected by a thick scar. Yeah, I remember, Granddaddy said. It's been a spell. You still take cone whiskey? Sutter smiled. Yes, sir, I do. Gone then. It's by the stove. And who is this? The woman stepped forward. Her thin cloak was road-worn and the no color of gray. It was fastened between her collarbones by a piece of glyph silver. A witch, Granddaddy said flatly. Huh. Well, the other one, Jacobs. Abel lowered his gaze. He's died. We was trying to save a town back east. The hellhole opened and half the people in town was ashen seconds. Other half was turned. We had to put a lot of them down on the way out. Tep stared at the witch, Abel's words lost in his own concentration. Her skin was as white as Tep's was black, but other than that she looked, well, normal. Brown hair and eyes, she could have been any random woman walking through town. Hard to believe she was a witch, but then again, he'd never actually laid eyes on one. The witch stared back, one corner of her mouth slanting up into a slight smile. Granddaddy's voice woke him from his stupor. Uh, what's your name, witch? Lila, she said. What's your name, old man? The two stared at each other for a moment before Granddaddy <laughs> broke up into a laughing fit. All right then, Lila. Ha ha. Close the door before more dust gets in. He turned to Tip. <sighs> you gonna say something, boy? Tip looked at him, his confusion plain on his face. Granddaddy sighed. <sighs> Introduce yourself, dummy. Oh, 
Sorry, I'm Tip. No need for sorries, Abel said, removing his duster and hanging it on one of the old iron nails beside the door. We've actually met, well, a long time ago. I don't remember how old you were, but I don't think you could even reach out to my belt yet. Tep's gaze went directly to the man's hip where a revolver hung low in its holster. Abel noticed his stare and unholstered the iron, giving it a spin before holding it out gripped first. Gone, he said. It won't bite, unless I tell it to. Tep took the revolver, turning it slowly from side to side, his eyes drinking it in. Single action 45, he said, and rubbed his thumb over the grip. Rosewood? Abel shook his head, smiling. No clue, son, and nobody I can ask about it, neither. The man I killed to get it is twenty years in the grave, he said, then looked up. May your soul rot, daddy. If you ever had one, you evil son of a bitch. Tep handed it back to him. It's beautiful, he said. Abel's burst of laughter echoed around the room. It's been called a lot of things by a lot of people. But that's the first time I heard that one. What do you call it? He asked, immediately unsure if he wanted to know the answer. Abel holstered the weapon once more. Man, he said. Well, for obvious reason. Abel showed Tip the butt of the revolver's grip. Etched into the metal was a glyph. Somebody gets too close. I swing my baby hair around and there's gonna be some broken bones. Tep recognized his granddaddy's work and knew the glyph. The lines of burst and break and tear lay on top of each other, interconnected and forming maim. Tep has a mind for gun. Uh, Pretty good with one, too. I let him practice that back with my old 44. Uh, uh, He's going to be a fine graven, too, if you get a damn head out of his ass and practice waking the glyphs. Tep felt heat rise in his cheeks. I'm sure young Tep here is doing his best, Lila said with a slight smile. He looks like a strong, capable young man. Now a different kind of heat was rising somewhere else. Tep cleared his throat. <sighs> what is it you want, Abel? Granddaddy said. Bullets? For a start, Abel said. Uh, 44-40 is for Sutter's rifle and 45s for me. He crossed the room, sat down at the table, and propped his feet up. What do you know about the foothills west of here? Granddaddy eyed him. Much and more, but you ain't gonna hear a lick of it till you get your boots off my table. Abel held both hands up and made a playful show of putting his feet down. Sorry, Granddaddy. (laughs) Old habits and all that. Anyways, we've been hired by your fine town's elders to kill a demon before he brings more of his kind up here for a visit. Not just a demon, Sutter said. He drank from his glass of whiskey and wiped his mouth with the back of his hand. Heard it's big. Might even be one of the crowned. The room went silent. Tet felt the weight of the word hanging in the air, heavy and ready to drop. Ain't no crown this far west, Granddaddy said through tightened lips. Eh, no need. We ain't got the numbers or anything else they'd want. Unless... Lila interrupted. What if everything east has fallen, and they're here to mop up what's left of us? Well, then, 
We got more to worry about than the one crowned. True, Lila said. But we have to start somewhere. Granddaddy was silent, thinking. You can't kill a crown, Tep said, before he could stop himself. Abel shrugged. Maybe, maybe not. But we can sure as hell fuck his whole day up. You may be right, Sutter said, looking at Tep. We ain't never faced off against one. We're just hoping to send its ass back to the hole it crawled out of. It can't be killed, Lila said. Her voice sounded far away, like she was talking to someone who wasn't there. But that doesn't mean it can't be neutralized. Abel snorted. <laughs> just a fancy way of saying killed, isn't it? No, I'm saying we can make sure it's no longer a threat, at least for now. Uh, and what would you be needing to make it happen? Granddaddy said. Lila pulled a bundle from beneath her cloak. This, but I need your help to make it work. Granddaddy nodded. All right, bring it on back to the shop and I'll see what's what. The two left the room, leaving Tep alone with the two strangers. I think Lila's sweet on our young friend here, Sutter, Abel said. Tep opened his mouth, but nothing came out. Leave him alone now, Abel, Sutter said with a grin. He looked like a fish with his chin bobbing like that. Abel sat up straight in his chair. Listen now, young Tip. Witches ain't like normal women. What do you mean? Tip said, his curiosity getting the best of him. Well, she can kill you quicker than shit for one. So, you know, that's something to worry about. Witches have all sorts of, uh, body magic. No, that ain't the word. Sutter? Biological. Sutter said. Yeah, that, Abel said, producing a sack of tobacco and papers from his pocket and carefully rolling the cigarette. He stuck it in the corner of his mouth, then popped a match a lot with a flick of his dirty thumbnail. Mm, no question there, Abel said, his face momentarily bright as he lit the cigarette. Mm -hmm. She could work all kinds of magic on your body. Good and bad, but that ain't the worst of it. No one said anything else. Tep looked at the two men, then sighed and said, Fine, what's the worst of it? The worst of it, Abel said, letting blue-gray smoke drift from his mouth. Is that for the rest of your life, you'll never want anyone else. That magic is powerful shit. That's it? Well, that, and once it's over... She cuts your dick off. Tep's jaw dropped, his eyes widened, and the two men erupted with laughter. The Angie's List You Know and Trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. 
for your words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Sutter wiped tears from his eyes with the palm of his hand. God damn it, Abel. I will spill my drink. I'm just messing with you, young Tep, Abel said. <laughs> Lila's good people, Tep scowled, hating the embarrassment that felt carved into his face. I'm not interested in her or anyone else. Fair enough, Abel said, sounding bored by Tep's outburst. He took another drag from his cigarette and sat back once more. Smoke rose from his lips and pulled on the ceiling. Sutter clapped him on the back. Listen, kid, I swear we ain't that bad. Just having a bit of fun is all. And as soon as your granddaddy figures out just what Lila needs, then we'll be back on the trail and out of your hair. He sounded friendly enough and Tep relaxed. It's all right. I just ain't used to having people around. It's just been me and Granddaddy for a long time. There's a whole town full of people around you, Abel said. You ain't exactly living alone. Tep shook his head. Only I go into town, and that's only to get supplies. Granddaddy don't like most of the folk there, and they don't like him much either. What they got against each other? For one, Granddaddy doesn't think folks should be out whoring and gambling during the end times. He ain't religious. He just thinks they should be preparing more. Abel laughed and coughed up smoke. Sounds like the best time to be whoring and gambling to me. <laughs> Side, the world's been ended for years now. Like a slow-burning fuse on a powder keg. And two, Tep continued, most of them think we're up to something. I don't know what, but the pious ones make a wide berth when they pass by the house. The same people who come to us for healing glyphs when their kid is sick are the same people who don't want us in their church on Sundays. He shook his head. I don't pay them any mind, Sutter said, or anything else for that matter. Churches have always been about fleecing the sheep, has been, and will be all the way up to the end. Yeah, said Abel. If it weren't for being a graven, then it'd be for your dark skin. That's the thing with those pious people, young Tep. They're always going to find something to hate. Tip thought on it and nodded, then decided to change the subject. Y'all are mercenaries, right? Yep, indeed, Abel said. You are presently sitting in the company of the rough beasts. The baddest motherfuckers to ever draw down on demon kind. What the hell kind of name is rough beasts? What the hell kind of name is Tip? Abel retorted. I don't really know, Tip said. My parents named me Stephen, but Granddaddy Mose has always called me Teppo, or Tip. Abel grinned and smoke plumed from his nostrils. Sounds like your granddaddy done got so old he forgot the name Steve. The men laughed as Tep shrugged. Your turn, Tep said. What's with the name? Can you read? Abel asked. If you could, you'd know it's the name of the legendary heroes from Quit Giving the Boy Shit, Sutter said. Besides, you know it ain't from no legendary heroes, you ignoramus. Abel snorted laughter. <laughs> you see, young Tip, Sutter here is the brains and the muscle of this operation, but I'm the charm. 
The name shows our willingness to be ruthless. To do what? Give it a rest, Abel. Kid, listen. We got into a bit of a fist fight outside a whorehouse years back. The proprietor was a very cultured man. And even though he did own and operate a whorehouse, he did not have an ounce of vulgarity in him. So he had his muscle throw us out. And instead of calling us the usual motherfuckers or what have you, he called after us. Abel stood quickly and threw his head back, his face stern. He placed his fists on his hips and yelled, Be gone from my establishment, you rough beasts! <laughs> Sutter and Abel fell into a laughing fit, and Tep smiled. He thought the men might be all right after all. Granddaddy came back into the front room holding two burlap pouches, Lila right behind them. Ah, good. Y'all getting to know each other. Yeah. It'll make the trip fly by, Granddaddy said, smiled, and tossed the pouch to each of the men. Hand your bullets, boys. Leave any shells you got so I can reload them. Got your usuals in there. Bloating, burning, crippling. And so on. Tip looked at him. His eyes narrowed. What trip? Uh, you gonna accompany them? Yeah. Take them up the foothills. Abel raised his hands. Now, just hold on a minute. Shut your hole for once, Abel. Granddaddy shouted. Huh. Lila, dear. Show him the ingy. Lila tossed the bundle onto the table where it landed with a thunk. The ends of the fabric fell away, revealing a dull gray brick of iron about the size of Tep's hand. He recognized the glyph immediately, drawn in chalk and ready for engraving. That's the containment glyph, he said. What are you going to do with it? We are going to use it to stop the crown, Lila said. Once we have him, I will attempt to banish him. Okay, but what's it got to do with young Tep here? You see those lines you'll smudge it with your dirty fingers? Granddaddy said. Ah, they are delicate, even in iron. Yeah, some lines you can't even see without a short sight. But you can bet they're dead. Hmm. If something happened out there and those lines are so much as scratched, this glyph's gonna fail. Ah, but Tip can fix it. <laughs> Me? Tip said. No, Granddaddy, I, I'm not you. Granddaddy looked at him, his eyes kind. He raised one hand and slapped Tep across the face. Ah, what the hell, he said, rubbing his already aching cheek. You gonna mind me now, Tep. Mm. This ain't just about us. If old bad daddy out there comes into town, things are gonna burn. Us, deal, everybody... Well, maybe ending, but we ain't got to sit around and wait for it to bend us over and take what it wants. Abel's laugh snapped the tension in the room. God damn it, your granddaddy ain't got a way with words. Downright eloquent. Hush up there, Abel, granddaddy said. I don't need your sarcasm or your donkey brain. Tep shook his head. I ain't no fighter, granddaddy. Good with my hands, not my fists. You let me worry about that now, he said, then turned back to Abel. Take what's left to your beast here and go make you a space in the shed out back. Sep you, Lila. 
You can take Tep's room and he can bunk with me. Tep opened his mouth to protest, but then remembered Granddaddy's fast hands and shut it back up quickly. Come on, Granddaddy Mose, Abel said. The shack? Really? Yeah, really. Huh. Now get. Abel pushed the chair back under the table. Well, I guess we've been told, Sutter. Come on. Sutter nodded to Granddaddy as he followed Abel out. Thanks for the whiskey and the hospitality. I don't want to be a bother, Mose. Lila said. I can go out. Nonsense, girl. Granddaddy said. Ain't gonna make a lady sleep out in the shack. Uh, rooms right down the hall. Can't miss it. Uh, get settled in and we'll talk in the morning. Lila dipped her chin to Granddaddy. If you insist, then I won't turn down a real bed for a night. Good night to you both. Tep watched her walk away, his thoughts a cyclone of images. Lila undressing in his room, sleeping in his bed. He, God damn it, Tip, get your eyes off that woman and come with me. I ain't ready for bed yet, Granddaddy. Good, he said and smiled wide. Cause we got some work to do for morning come. He picked the ingot from the table and motioned for Tip to follow. Tip followed Granddaddy Moses into the shop and waited for him to get settled in. <sighs> what you waiting on? You? Tep said, the end of the word rising and almost forming a question. <sighs> Sit your ass down, boy, Granddaddy said, pointing to the workbench. <sighs> we ain't got old damn night. He did as he was told. Granddaddy held the beer and out handle first. Tep grasped the worn wood, a slight tremble in his fingers. <sighs> Granddaddy, I can't. Granddaddy Moses placed the ingot in front of him. The chalk was streaked from Abel's fingertips, but the glyph was still legible. You can, and you will. Listen here, Tep. I ain't gonna be around forever. Huh, hell, I might be dead tomorrow. Yeah, who know? You gotta carry on the practice without me, and I gotta make sure you're as ready as I can make you. Don't talk like that, Tep said sullenly. Besides... It ain't like you're the only graven in the world. Granddaddy raised one bushy eyebrow. Really? How do you know? You ever met one? No. Hmm. Ever even heard a rumor of another one in some yonder off town? Maybe I... No maybes about it, Granddaddy said as he sat down beside Tip. Uh, I ain't saying I'm the only one. No more than the woman across the hall is the only witch. But there can't be many, Tip. You don't know that. Boy, in all those months I walked across the waste with your mama and... And daddy. <sighs> we stayed in many a city and town. Made camp with other refugees. And conversation as well. Hey... We traveled almost entirely on foot, from Alabama to the coast you can smell from here. Mm, mm, mm. Do you know how far it is from Alabama to California with demons nipping at your heels? Uh, with no stagecoach, no train, and people eating their own horses just to stay alive. Tep shook his head. Uh, not even to mention that your mama's belly was getting bigger by the day. 
so going was slow as molasses. Yeah. All that to say, we met many and more people, some good and some bad. Yeah. But I've met only two other Gravens in damn near 20 years. Tep looked at his grandfather. His interest peaked. Granddaddy never really spoke of the journey west and the devastation that was wrought in the east. Tep knew why, but asked his next question anyway. Granddaddy Mose, what happened to my parents? Granddaddy cleared his throat. <clears throat> they died on the road. You know that. Yeah, but how? The old man stayed silent for a moment, his eyes shiny. Finally, he spoke. Okay, he said, more to himself than to Tep. Okay. <sighs> You're 18 and about to go on your own journey. So I guess... I guess it's time. Tep leaned forward, his heart thumping as Granddaddy Mose began to speak. It was 1878 when the rupture happened. I don't remember if it was May. It may have already been June. But either way, it was already as hot and wet as soup. <sighs> I was lucky enough to be doing carpentry work under contract with a decent enough white man named Mr. Grady. <sighs> Your daddy was studying under me, and the boss man even paid him a bit too. We were doing pretty well considering what a lot of other black folk were going through around those parts. <sighs> Your daddy was a bit older than you and had married your mama about a year or so prior. It was a beautiful wedding. I wish your granny had been around to see it. Damn near everybody had people, friends or family, that had gone up north after the war. So the grapevine was long and what we heard through it was troubling. Murders, riots. Nothing unheard of. But then, word of the crazies just started trickling down. Yeah. Towns just disappearing. Swallowed whole by earth and fire. Tales of beasts rising out of the fire and cutting folk down with teeth and claw. Folk coming back to life. Now strange and unnatural. Speaking in tongues and attacking whatever they could get their hands on. <sighs> of course, I thought it was bullshit. Crazy stories made up by white folk to get our people to run back down south where the locals were trying their damnedest to keep us as slaves in everything but name. <sighs> Wouldn't surprise me one bit. But then the refugees started coming flowing back south like the water of the Mississippi after a storm. And the stories they told, well, they turned out to be true. And once the earth started splitting in Georgia, me and your mama and daddy joined the flood of people heading west. <sighs> By the time we finally damn near crawled into Louisiana, Giving New Orleans a wide berth on account of the yellow fever, we were about spent. <sighs> so it didn't give me a second thought when the headache started. Barely enough food and water and weeks of travel. 
Shit, I figured I got off lucky with just a naked brain. But it got worse. We had to lay up and camp around shit I can't remember. Think it was named after a woman. Cassandra, maybe. I don't know, but I was sicker than I've ever been and spent three days in and out of sleep. Oh, the dreams, Tip. I don't need to tell you about them, cause you've been having them ever since you was knee-high to a grasshopper. The glyph just appearing in the dark like burning embers floating off a campfire. But mine was a bit different from yo. You've had damn near your whole life to have the glyphs trickle in, but somebody had done opened the floodgates of my mind. And they all came rushing in at once, threatening to drown me. When I came to, I started carving. Used my hunting knife and whatever wood I could find. If we needed fire and had no matches, I'd just carve fire into a log and we'd be as warm as we want. If we needed food, I'd carve something akin to what I showed you earlier trap contain well i was pretty damn near new to it all so it was probably more like don't move a damn muscle <laughs> either way as sure as the sun shines i'd come back an hour later and find a rabbit or two sitting pretty as you please by the trees i'd marked <laughs> the going was much better after that yeah Still had no idea why it happened or why it happened to me, but I was damn grateful by sight. Yeah, it was better. Until we made it to the New Mexico Territory. By this time, your mama was full to popping, and we were going slow and careful as we could. Some months before, some cattle ranchers in the area had started an all-out war over land or cattle or some other shit. Doesn't really matter now, does it? All that to say we was being extra cautious, what with the higher guns running around. Hey. We was holed up in an abandoned farmhouse when your mama broke her waters and you started trying to come out and say hello. <laughs> Hours went by and your daddy damn near paced a hole in the floor. <laughs> Sometime around midnight, I spotted a lantern way off in the distance. Not knowing what the hell it might be and given the state your mama was in, I went as quick as I could and carved a protection glyph in the wood of both rear and front door frames. Uh, I could hear the hoofbeats approaching by the time I was done. Your daddy bent down and kissed your mama's forehead, told her to stay quiet as she could. I could remember that as clear as glass. The candle shone between them like the sun shining between clouds. I still dream of it sometimes, even now. <laughs> he grabbed his revolver and met me at the front door. I showed him the glyph and warned him not to pass it. He stood just inside, his revolver held low and out of sight. A white man came riding up and dismounted not six feet from us. 
Good evening to you, he said with a smile I didn't quite like. Are you boys, uh, on this land here? No, sir, I said. It belonged to our boss, Mr. Grady. It was the first name that popped into my head. Well, whereabouts is Mr. Grady? I'd sure like to speak to him. Considering this land belongs to my boss, a one Mr. Jacob Abernathy. So you see, it's mighty strange how they could both be owning it at the same time. And when Mr. Abernathy got word that some darkies were holed up on his land, he failed to mention anything about a Mr. Grady. All right now, I said, and raised my hands a little to show him I wasn't armed. Look, we're just traveling, and we needed some place to sleep for a night. It's just me and my boy here. We ain't looking for any trouble. Just a little help is all. The dust was thick as mud, so I figured wasn't nobody living here, and the door was unlocked. We just... It was then that your poor mama let out a low moan. I knew just from the sound that she was biting down something fierce on a blanket to keep quiet. I thought you said it was just the two of you. My wife is pregnant. That's why we... Your daddy started. The man drew his own gun and aimed it towards us. Liars. All of you. Don't know why I'm surprised. I'll tell you what. You give me whatever money you got, and I'll wait till morning to come back around and make sure you're gone. I ain't got no money, mister. Done spent it coming all this way. The man sucked air through his teeth. Damn shame is what that is. Okay, we can work with that. How about this? I get some quality alone time with the woman, then I'll be on my way. Your daddy's brow scrunched up and I knew he was about to say something foolish. So I started talking. Mister, you don't understand. She's laboring right now. That's why we had to stop and get off the road in the first place. The man sighed and drew the hammer back on his revolver. Now you done already proved yourself a liar. So why in the hell should I trust you now? Besides, even if that's God's honest truth, that ain't the only hole of her. I'll just come inside and see what's what. The man took two strides, and everything happened quick after that. Your daddy raised his revolver, and the white man's eyes widened, and they both fired at damn near the same time. <laughs> they both fell at the same time, too. I yelled and dropped to my knees beside him. His eyes were wide and wet, and he put the gun in my hand, and he said his last words. Go. Make sure. I nodded, and my eyes were already filling, and I walked out there to where the man was on the ground. He was still living, holding both hands over the hole in his gut, blood leaking between his fingers. Please, mister, he said softly. I don't want to die. Mercy. Please. The son of a bitch asked for mercy. After threatening to defile your mama and shooting your daddy, this man had dared to ask for mercy. I put all five bullets into him, and God help me, I enjoyed every last second of it. My ears were 
ringing from the shots, so I barely heard your mama call to me. I ran to her side and there you were, Tip, pale and unmoving, lying silent on the bloody floor. Your poor mama was trying to reach for you, but couldn't. Her strength had done run out. I scooped you up and felt for the beat of your heart, but wasn't nothing there. Give me my boy, Daddy Mose, your mama said. Give me Stephen. I placed you as gently as I could down into your mama's arms and stayed close in in case she couldn't hold you. But she gripped you tight and her face grew stern. What you doing, Ida? I spoke. He's the same thing I did for you, she said through clenched teeth. Back when you fell sick and had your fever, when your heart stopped. Shocked ain't the word I would want to use to describe what I felt, but I can't think of a better one. My son was dead. I just killed a man, and she was telling me that I died too. I didn't have time to feel much surprised anyway, because your mama's hands started glowing. Not all at once. Nothing so showy, I guess you could say. It was faint and then grew stronger. The white yellow light tracing the lines in the hands across her knuckles. And then, and then the greatest sound I ever heard. You took in a great breath and started hollering your damn lungs out. Your mama's head fell back and the light went away and she dropped you. But I was still there to catch you up when her strength finally gave out for good. (laughs) I looked from you to her and she gave me as much of a smile as she could muster. And then she was gone. And I was alone, holding my grandbaby and sitting on the dust and blood-covered floor between the bodies of the two people I love most in this world. I rocked you and held you and put my finger in your mouth to get you to quiet down. When you finally slipped, I pried a piece of wood from the floor and carved a protection glyph on it. I placed it against your chest and wrapped you up in a blanket. I knew time was short, that eventually somebody would come looking for the man, and we had to be long gone before that. To this very day, I hate myself for not burying them. But there wasn't time. I figured that if somebody came along and saw them there, that no one would ever know to come looking for me. For us, I took what little supplies I could, made a sling for you out of a blanket, and grabbed both revolvers as I got ready to leave. Yeah. As I passed the door, I raised the lantern and looked at the glyph I'd carved into the wood of the frame. <laughs> one little line tip. I'd made one little line too shallow. The glyph fell and your daddy died because of it. I found the man's horse not too far away and coaxed it to me, and it was on that horse that me and you made it to here, to California, 
as far away from the fires of the east as I could take us. Hey, and that's it, son. That's the story. And that's why I've been so hard on you all these years, making you practice over and over and over again. Yeah, cause you gotta be perfect if you're gonna survive when I'm gone. When you're on your own. Cause that's all the difference between life and death. Hey, one little line. Tip let out a heavy breath he didn't know he'd been holding. It came shuddering out like an old haint from a graveyard. <sighs> My mama was a witch? Tip asked and wiped a tear from his cheek. That's how she saved me and you both, right? Yes, indeed. Course we didn't know exactly what that meant, aside from old stories, you know. She didn't mention a word to me of it. I wish she would have. Mother could have, I don't know, help each other understand. The glyphs and her powers, different, yes but still too much to be a coincidence. What do you mean by that? I don't know. But it seemed mighty funny that once the world started busting fire from its seams, that all of a sudden magic words and magic women started showing up out of nowhere. A counterbalance. That's what you're talking about. Maybe so, but it sure as hell ain't balanced. Uh, the crown and their yoke got demons that can raise the dead to fight for them. We got a handful of women and even less men with some magic shit that even after 18 goddamn years, we still don't know much about. Huh. Tib nodded, a strange kind of calm spreading within him. The calm that comes with finally having all the cards on the table. Because win or lose, at least it was over. I'm ready to work, Granddaddy, Tip said. I'm ready to play whatever part I got in this mess. If it'll help folk, then I'll do it. Granddaddy Mose gave a yellow-toothed smile and slapped Tip on the back. Ha <laughs> ha, then do it. Tip picked up the bureau and then stopped. One more question. Good God, why? Granddaddy said. You could question the Sphinx to death. What is it? Why iron? Cause it's cheap? Granddaddy sighed. Ain't nothing cheap nowadays, why? No, it's old magic. Demons hate the stuff. Got some kind of hold over them. I don't know what's the workings of it. Just know it works. Speaking of work, you finally gonna do something now. Oh, you got more riddles. Tep shook his head. No, I'm ready. He wasn't totally sure about that, but he wasn't about to say it aloud. He placed the tip of the beer into the iron and got to work. You can live out your master chef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well, inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. 
Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Morning came and Tip opened his eyes, squinting at the sunlight streaming through the gap between the old threadbare curtains. He didn't want to get up no way, but he could hear Abel and Sutter's boots clopping around in the front room and knew they were preparing to hit the road. He rose and stretched his aching back, the muscles tight from working hunched over half the night. Granddaddy Mose was already gone from the room and was presumably making the coffee whose smell reached all the way down the hall to Tip's nose. He slid his boots on and made his way down the hall, a yawn stretching his mouth wide. Well, if it ain't young Tip, Abel said brightly. Finally decide to join the living, huh? Not really, Tip said and sat down at the table. But I figured I ain't got much choice. Abel shook his head, still smiling. None at all. Lila seemed to just appear from behind and set the ingot down on the table. Nice work, she said. Tep was glad his skin was dark, or else she might have seen the color of all the blood rushing to his cheeks. I, um, thank you, he said, casting his eyes down to the small brick of metal. It was fine work, if he did say so himself. Granddaddy Mose placed a steaming cast iron pot down in the middle of the table and a wooden platter piled high with biscuits. How long you been up? <sighs> I'm too old for sleep. <laughs> now hush up and eat. I ain't got enough place for all you folk, so you're just gonna have to spoon some gravy over your biscuits as you see fit. What you got there, Mose? Sutter said, his widening eyes never leaving the pot. Is that tomato gravy? Yes, indeed, Granddaddy said. Yeah, my wife's old recipe. Though back then, we'd have crumbled some bacon in it. But ain't nobody got any pigs left around here. Uh, but I got plenty of tomatoes from my vines out back. Holy shit, Abel said. You treating us too good, Mose. Well, Granddaddy Mose said after a sip of coffee. I figured it might be y'all's last meal. So I better make it good. Tep nearly dropped his biscuit to the floor. What? Abel braved laughter and Sutter chuckled right on with him. Mose, you're gonna give poor Tep a heart attack before we've even taken a step down the road. Lila said with a grin. She placed her hand on top of his. Don't worry. You stick with me and you'll be fine. I bet he'd like. Abel managed to say before Sutter gave him an elbow to the ribs. Oh, goddammit, Sutter! It's too early for any perversions that may come spilling out of your mouth, Sutter said through a mouthful of biscuits. You know, Abel said, giving him a side-eyed glance. 
I could have made at least two more perverted jokes just from that last sentence. He slopped a spoonful of tomato gravy onto half a biscuit. I ain't gonna, cause a lady is present. But I could have. Lila raised a dark eyebrow. Is it one of the jokes you learned growing up in your mama's whorehouse? Abel's eyes widened, and Sutter's laughter then near shook the room. Tip was too surprised to do more than stare. Abel grinned lavishly and leaned close to her. I knew if you hung around me long enough, you'd open up. Oh, Abel, she said with a sigh. I can say with absolute certainty that I'll never open up to you. Tep choked on his biscuit and sent crumbs flying across the table, which made everyone laugh more, even Granddaddy Mose. Once the noise died down to a soft series of chuckles, Granddaddy passed around mugs of thick black coffee. Tep enjoyed the smell much more than the taste, but he eagerly sipped it all the same. All right now, Mose said. Tell me y'all's plan. Well, Abel said, I figured not you. I know what your plan is. If it moves, shoot it. I want to hear from her. Why? She asked. Cause I know it's more your plan than his. Okay, then. If the information we've gathered from town elders here is correct, then the demons, and whatever else is out there, are up against the foothills on one side and the desert on the other. If we walk into the desert a ways and come around from the south, we should be able to keep them pinned at the base of the hills. The beasts here can pick a few off, then get them to chase us a bit, and hopefully get the leader to pass right over the iron I'll have buried beforehand. And if it doesn't, then we kill everything between us and it, Abel said with a shrug. Slow the big and down with some glyph bullets, and bring the ingot right to him by hand if we have to. Grindaddy shook his head slowly. Uh, there's a lot that could go wrong here. Ain't it the truth, Sutter said. I'll draw them out, Tep found himself saying. If I get close enough, you think they'll chase me? Shit, son, Abel said. Those undead bitches will chase anything with a pulse. We just gotta kill enough to get the big daddy's attention. But why in the hell are you volunteering to be demon bait? Cause ain't a one of you that can run faster than me. Tip looked to Granddaddy Mose, half hoping he had tried to talk him out of it. But Granddaddy surprised him by nodding. The boy is fast. A streak of black lightning if something is coming after him. You ain't gotta convince me, Abel said. And you ain't gotta be scared. Between Sutter's rifle and mine, young Tip's gonna be just fine. Oh, and I guess Miss Lila will lend a hand too. Abel grinned at her, and Lila countered his smile with a decidedly unladylike hand gesture. It's settled then, Granddaddy said. <sighs> the three of you can finish prepping. I gotta have a word with Tep before he's off. Tep once again followed Granddaddy back to the shop. The old man picked up a weathered leather pouch from the workbench and passed it to him. <sighs> Take this with you and keep it safe. I'm praying you don't have to use it on the ingot, but it'll come in handy either way. Tet popped open the button on top and lifted the flap. Inside was a burin, its point embedded in a piece of cork, and the file, both wrapped in a lightly oiled cloth. Thank you, he said, then poked his finger through the loop on the back of the pouch. But what's this for? So you can put it on your belt. 
My bill ain't that wide, he said, and placed the pouch on the bench. It's going to be flopping all over the place while I'm running. Uh, it ain't for the belt round your waist. It's for your new one, Granddaddy said, and knelt down. Tep watched as he pulled two loose nails from one of the floorboards. He pocketed them, then lifted the board out of his way, reached inside, and pulled out a gun belt, each holster already heavy with the revolver. Granddaddy, Tep breathed. What? He set the heavy belt down beside the pouch on the workbench, then pulled the revolver from the right holster. This was your father's gun. <sighs> Damn near the twin of Abel's out there, except cleaner. And this here, he pointed to a complicated glyph etched into the steel right below the cylinder. <sighs> this here will keep you safe. Hold it between you and danger, and it's as good as a shield. Tep ran a fingertip over the glyph. This, I've never seen so many stacked. Shield, protect, barrier, stop, and, and what the hell is this one? I can't even tell, it's so buried. Repel, Granddaddy said, and slid the gun back into its holster. He pulled the other revolver and held it. And this, Granddaddy said with a shaky breath, is the gun that killed him. Tip stared at it. It was similar in function and appearance, but the grip was carved from some dark wood he couldn't place. I don't want it, he said, his mouth dry. I won't carry it. Son, Granddaddy began, I have spent years keeping this weapon clean and oiled, pouring every bit of care I could into it. It's just a lump of steel without intention. Just like the glyphs are just lines and shapes. Hey, you gotta use it the way you wanna use it. It ain't the weapon that does evil. It's the man. Redeem it. Use it for something good. Tip held his hand out and Granddaddy placed a grip into his palm. There was a glyph etched into this one as well, in the same place as the glyph on Abel's iron. Calm, confused, and... Stun? Tep read. Granddaddy nodded. Eh, you got most of it. If you gotta kill with it, then do what you gotta do. But if you don't have to, well... I just wanna give you another way. Not every enemy in life gonna be a demon. And not every fight had to end in death. <sighs> so, you just give somebody's skull a little tap with this one and they won't be bothering you for a while. Yeah, but they won't be dead neither. This, this is incredible, Tip said. And you're just gonna give them to me? Uh, the way I see it is they've always been yours, Granddaddy said. Just had to wait till I felt you got some years on you. Tip hefted the gun belt and circled it around his waist. Granddaddy bent and helped him buckle and secure it. How's it feel? Granddaddy said, stepping back and taking a look at him. Weird, Tep said. Feels like my legs are shaking. Don't know if it's heavy or if I'm just nervous. Granddaddy raised his hand between them, a shushing gesture Tep knew all too well. That ain't you, son, he said. We're too late. What are you talking about? 
Screams and cries rose from outside as the earth beneath their feet trembled. The sound of the front door slamming open echoed down the hall, followed by Abel shouting, We got a rupture! You best move your asses! Go, Granddaddy said. Help where you can. I'll be here if any survivors need a healing glyph. Teb nodded, knowing it was useless to argue with the old man, then sprinted down the hall. Dust and smoke obscured his view from the hall, but what he witnessed when he rushed through the noxious cloud nearly took the rest of his breath away. A fissure ran from the town center and nearly to their farm. Smoke billowed out and shadows with it. Gunshots rang out in the distance, punctuating barks and screams as people ran wild, some fleeing, some fighting, all panicked. Abel seemed to come out of nowhere and tugged his arm. Come on, Chip. We're gonna need some of these people to live if we're gonna get paid. Abel took off at a run and Tep followed until their enemy came into view. He had never seen one of the demons so close, nowhere near it. It scrabbled out of the fissure, its clawed hands digging furrows into the edge of the earth. Finally, it stood, raising its forearms to the sky and bellowing. Its six orange eyes, the color of dead, fallen leaves left to rot, fixed their oblong pupils on them. Its mottled, pale skin shone in the light of the fire. Tep froze, his knees shaking and fingers twitching. Somewhere, maybe a few feet, maybe a mile, Sutter cried out, Shoot it, Tep! Shoot the sister fucking thing! Tep's hands scrambled around his belt feeling like they'd been replaced by two drowning fish. The demon produced a stream of fire that sputtered out in an instant, solidifying into a staff of smoking black rock, its ends jagged and forked like steeled lightning. It charged, closing the distance to Tep with a thundering roar. Tep managed to pull his father's revolver and pointed ahead, but was too late. The thing was upon him swatting him to the ground with two of its arms. It raised a spear of rock above Tep and brought it down for the killing blow. Tep flinched and waited, but no blow came. He squinted at the spear hovering a mere foot above him, its wielder gnashing its teeth in frustration as it tried in vain to run Tep through. The glyph on his revolver was alive with a faint glow. The demon redoubled its effort wrapping its huge hands around the spear and pushing with all four of its arms. Tep could feel the pressure of the weight, but nothing more. He pushed the revolver to the side, sending the spear slamming into the ground near its shoulder. The demon's momentum drove him forward, impelling him upon the sharpened rock. Tep scuttled away, pushing himself backwards on the heels of his hands. The demon turned its face to him and screamed as Tep thumbed the hammer back. He stared into its strange eyes as he pulled the trigger. The demon's head disappeared in a glut of black blood and meat. Droplets stung Tep's face and he wiped at them frantically with a cry of pain and disgust. Hands grabbed him up under his arms and pulled him to his feet. He wheeled around and was face to face with Sutter. Good work. Now we only got about 20 to go and maybe a crown waiting. Come on, 
Tip followed his sutter ran ahead, weaving around bodies. He didn't want to look, but couldn't help himself. There was Mr. Johnson, the man they had bought the bread from, lying in a pool of blood, his throat a ruin. His wife was nearby. Tip only recognized her by her dress because her head was nowhere to be seen. Out of the smoke stumbled Clara Smith, her dress smeared with soot. She was the first girl he ever kissed, and white as snow. When word got out, her brothers chased after him for lying about their sweet sister. But Tip was fast and had left the boys in the dust. Now Claire was missing an arm below the elbow, and her eyes were like a goat's. Sutter turned and raised his rifle in one swift motion, and before Tip could react, Sutter's bullet crashed into her pretty face and sent her tumbling to the ground. Hurry, Sutter said, working the lever on his rifle, sending a spent shell twirling out into the smoke. A group of demons were ahead, slaughtering a family as they tried to retreat, terror distorting their features into grotesque masks. Tep pulled his other revolver from its holster and took aim. He thumbed the hammers back and fired, the shot overlapping. The closest demon fell and rolled away from its prey. Abel came running from around the corner of the baker's stall and fired into the throng. Demon and human alike were torn to pieces in the ensuing explosion. After the fireball dispersed into the sky, Abel approached them at a jog, carefully stepping around unrecognizable bits of burnt flesh. God damn! Abel cried. Your granddaddy makes the absolute best shit! Tip stepped in front of the man and yelled up into his face. You killed those people! We could have saved them if you had waited half a damn second! Abel raised one eyebrow, then looked past Tep to Sutter. Sut, you better get this boy before he makes me do something he ain't gonna like. Sutter turned Tep by his shoulder. Listen, they was already gone, Tep. If Abel hadn't done them now, we'd have to later when they rose back up, staring at us with yellow goat's eyes and trying to get us by the throat. You understand? Tep's eyes felt hot in his head from smoke or tears he didn't know. It ain't right, he said. We, we should try harder. Save as many as we can. Abel shouldered past them. I ain't waiting around to see which of them is gonna turn or not. Take my advice. No matter if it's a man, woman, or kid, you see that yellow showing in their eyes, you put them down. We do what we can, Sutter said gently. That's all we can do. Tep nodded, not knowing if he was agreeing or just wanted to stop the talking. His head hurt, and he had already seen enough, but the nightmare continued. They kept moving. Demons rushed from the smoke and shadows, and they dropped them one by one. Abel and Sutter were as quick as foxes, darting from cover to cover and putting bullets into heads and hearts alike. Tep felt like drying pine sap compared to the two seeming only to be able to mop up kills from their wounded. It got progressively darker the closer they got to the town center, the acrid smoke thick and choking. <coughs> How's it getting darker? Tep said with a cough. <laughs> it can't be more than half past eight in the morning. This ain't your normal campfire smoke. Just keep up and we'll lead you through this shit. Tep did his damnedest to make sure he never lost sight of their backs. 
Some minutes and more dead demons later, the smoke was thinning, and Tip could make out what could be called the town square. Abel stopped suddenly, and Tip nearly crashed into his back. Holy shit, he said. Yep, Abel said, then spat a wad of spit-soaked ash onto the ground. There goes the element of surprise. Take cover. They made their way to a pile of overturned barrels, the stink of spilled vinegar stinging Tep's nostrils. The townsfolk were collected in a large group, all fifty or so that were left, circled by demons, their backs to the fissure and their eyes all staring at the front of what used to be the shack owned by the town's sole blacksmith. There stood Lila, calm, her back straight, her hands hanging relaxed at her sides. A demon stepped forward, pushing poor Matthew Peck ahead of him. Matthew's eyes were gold, the pupils two black rectangles. The demon sunk his claws into the man's shoulders. Witch, Matthew cried, his voice not his own. Surrender, and we'll release the rest of this cattle. Lila raised her hand and made a fist, her mouth tightening with exertion. The demon's head collapsed in on itself, its six eyes bulging, then popping as its skull broke with a series of loud cracks. It fell to the ground, dragging Matthew down as well. Call your master, Lila said, relaxing her hand. I'll only surrender to him. No sooner had she finished speaking than a strong wind blew a cloud of dust around them, and a shadow burst forth from the jagged crack in the earth. The crown lowered himself from the sky with two great beats of his gray feathered wings. Tep was awestruck. It looked like a man carved from marble, every feature of his face perfectly balanced and beautiful. Black robes like solid smoke writhed around him, and upon his head was a crown of flame. That's no crown, Tep whispered. That's a halo. Hush up and pay attention, Abel hissed. We gotta be ready. The crown landed gently, drawing his great wings behind his shoulders. I've come, he said. His voice resplendent and terrifying all at once. Will you surrender your life and power for these people? Only if you take me to hell yourself, Lila said with a smile. The crown's brow furrowed in return. So be it, he said, and strode towards her. We gotta do something, Tep said. Abel shushed them. We are doing something. We're waiting. The crown slowed his step and became still, his face contorting as he looked to the ground. What is this, he said. A prison, Lila said. Just for you. Send your demons away and I'll let you go back to whatever hell you came from. The crown flapped its wings, kicking up dust. His body did not rise, but Tip could tell just by the narrowing of its eyes that escaping wasn't its intention just then. The iron ingot was exposed, half buried in the dirt at its feet. Where did you get this? It bellowed. I know it is not your work. Who dares profane the language of heaven with human hands? Tell me! Tip sank behind the barrels as if he could escape by lowering himself into the earth. 
anything to stay out of the crown's glare. He pushed its words away, unable to bring himself to think about the implications. Abel stood up and walked out into the open. I did, you self-righteous piece of shit. Tep opened his mouth to confess, to keep Abel from taking the blame that was rightfully his. But Sutter's big hand clamped over his mouth before he could draw a breath to speak. Quiet, Tip, he said. You gotta trust him. Nod if you plan on staying quiet. Tip nodded, and Sutter removed his hand from Tip's face. You know, Abel continued, in all my years of hunting your lackeys, and if I'm being honest, kicking their sorry asses, I've never seen one the likes of you up close. Crowned, you're called. High and mighty. He opened his arms wide and made a mock bow. Funny thing, though, and excuse me if this sounds rude, but your posse here is a hell of a lot uglier than you. How's that work? You adopted or something? You did not etch this glyph, it said. But the one who did is close. I can feel it. Come out, you who have been touched by the torchbearer. You, who make the holy letters profane. I thought we was having a conversation here, Abel said. Like civilized folk. Civilized? <laughs> if you were civilized, then I wouldn't have to be here. Enveloped in the stench of this place. Of you. Well, you're stuck here with us now, Abel said. May as well make yourself comfortable. You believe you've accomplished something here, with this worthless trinket? The crown plucked the ingot up from the dirt and held it in its hands. The metal turned red, then white with heat before the crown twisted it, tearing it into two halves with a snap. It dropped the ruined pieces and in a blur of movement, it was standing in front of Abel, lifting the man up into the air by his throat. Come out, Glyphmaker! Peddler of trinkets, come out or watch this one die. Put him down, Lila cried. She raised both of her hands, her arms trembling as if she were struggling with a great weight. Tep watched as the crown's arm slowly lowered, then stopped. Let, Let go of me, witch, it said, its voice a growl, doubling as if two people were speaking. You are not as powerful as you believe you are. All I have to do is close my hand, and his head will be torn from his neck. Put him down, she repeated, her face slick with sweat. And I'll release you. The crown shrugged, and with the flick of his wrist threw Abel through the air. Abel crashed into the barrels, knocking Tep aside, the impact sending him face first into the dirt. A bright flare of pain bloomed in the center of his face as his nose broke. Tep rolled over and onto his back, spitting blood and coughing dust. Through a prism of tears, he spotted one of his revolvers. He pulled it from the dirt and kept it aimed at the crown as he rose shakily to his feet. The crown stared at him. There you are. Tep thumbed the hammer back and fired, and again and again. The crown shielded itself with one great wound, the bullets colliding there and bursting into flame and smoke, leaving nothing but scorched marks. The revolver clicked to an empty chamber, 
and before Tip could so much as blink, he found himself lifted into the air, the crown's hands filled with handfuls of his shirt. You etched that glyph, did you not? It said, its face inches from Tip's own, his breath smelling of dust and honeysuckle. Tip kicked his foot out, his boot striking the crown's chest. He cried out in pain as two of his toes broke from the impact. It was like kicking a slab of pure stone. You can squirm all you like, but... Tep raised the revolver over his head and brought it down in a savage swing. The butt passed through the fiery ring of the crown's halo and collided with the top of its skull. The effect was immediate. The crown cried out and dropped Tep to the dirt, his broken toes singing their own song of pain. It brought its hand to its head and staggered back. What? It said, its voice slurred. What have you done? It looked around, its face hiding nothing, but showing only confusion. What have I done? It slowly walked over to the nearest body lying upon the ground and placed its hands upon the charred flesh it found there. The crown raised its face to the sky and screamed. Father! What have you made me do? Tep couldn't help but stare, not even as Lila and Sutter were dragging him backwards and away. The crown unfurled its wings, and with a whirlwind of dust and smoke, It was gone. The demons looked to one another but began to retreat one by one, back into the hole they crawled out of. Tip, Sutter said. Hey, look at me. You alright? He looked to the man, then to Lila. Where's Abel? He's gonna be fine, she said. Banged up, but he'll live. Oh, okay, Tip said. Blackness crept into the edge of his vision. That's good. The adrenaline started to run out like piss down a drunk's leg, and Tep fainted. Sometime later, Tep woke up in his bed, Lila right beside him. Startled, he jumped just a little. Then she laid her hand on his chest and gently pushed him back down. Calm down. She said, her voice thick from sleep. You're okay. Just relax. He tried, but couldn't. It felt like every one of his muscles were bunched into knots. What are you? I mean, are we? He trailed off. She laughed. This ain't no funny business. I just got sore sitting in that old wooden chair and leaning over while I laid hands on you. You ain't the only one who's tired, you know. Oh, he said, thinking of his mother her healing hands bringing him back from the brink of death when he was only a few minutes old. Then he felt weird that he was thinking about his mother with a woman in his bed and drove the thought away. His bedroom door swung open and Abel sauntered in. I thought I heard voices in here, he said. Well, 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 ain't this just cozy? Why didn't I get the special treatment? You only had some bruises, Lila said. It took some time to fix Tep's nose and get it back into place, not to mention his toes. Oh, 
Well, I'll be sure to get myself a lot more injured next time we dance with the devil, Abel said with a wink. Tip, you make sure to remind me, will you? I don't plan on being near another devil, demon, or anything in between, Tip said. Don't be so sure. You should be right honored. Kind of like being a knight, but more fun and more booze. Lila got herself out from under the blanket and rose out of bed. Come on, Abel. Mose wanted to see him as soon as he was up. Let's get out of here and let him get dressed. They were both out of his room before Tep lifted the blanket and stared down at his nude body. You gotta be kidding me. He stood up slowly, expecting to be dizzy and preparing to sit right back down if needed. But he felt pretty good, all things considered. He dressed quickly, sliding on some clean jeans and an undershirt before going to find Granddaddy. The old man was sitting at the table in the front room, sharing a whiskey with the rest of the beasts. Granddaddy smiled as Tip pulled up a chair beside him. Welcome back, son, he said and put his arm around Tip's shoulders, holding him briefly before turning back to his glass. I hear you were brave out there. Eh, I'm proud. Tip felt himself blush. I don't know about all that, he said. In fact, I'd say I was damn lucky. You ain't wrong there, Sutter said and lifted his glass. But I raise a drink for you anyway. Brave or lucky, you saved our asses. A lot of asses, actually. There were survivors? Tep said, an edge of desperation creeping into his voice. Please tell me there were survivors. Indeed, Abel said. That throng of people in the town square are all mostly okay. Nothing that can't be patched up. There couldn't have been more than 60 or 70 people out there, Tep said softly. That's only half the town at best. Every last man, woman, and child could have died, Granddaddy said. But they didn't. <sighs> Y'all saved them. Saved as many as you could, son. Tep nodded, the weight of the dead still heavy on his mind. Listen to your Granddaddy, Lila said. He's right. We didn't have any way of knowing they was going to get to us before we got to them. That's the truth. That's the truth, all right. Sides, three of the living were the town elders, so we still got paid. Sutter shook his head. Jesus Christ, Abel. What? Just saying it wasn't all bad. Tep gets his cut. It don't fix everything, but hey, it's a start. Tep ignored Abel and turned back to Granddaddy. I still don't. I don't understand what happened, Granddaddy. That thing, it wasn't no demon. It tore the iron up like paper. It said the glyphs were from heaven and that we had no business using them. It had wings, a halo. I don't claim to be no expert, but I do know my scripture. That thing was more angel than demon, Mose. <sighs> the crowned are angels. That what we're saying here. Cause that don't make no lick of sense. It's supposed to be the end times. Hell on earth until Christ comes back to make it all new again and all dead. The devil was an angel once, Lava said. And he wasn't alone when he fell. Had convinced some others to come along for the ride too. Maybe it's one of them. I don't know nothing about that, Tip said. But after I hit him, Granddaddy, after the glyph did its work, that angel was as mad as hell and confused like he just woke up and didn't know where he was. Father, Sutter said, quoting the crown's parting words, 
What did you make me do? Or something like that. He said I was touched by the torchbearer, cause I could write glyphs. You ever heard anything like that? Granddaddy shook his head. Oh, I told you how the glyphs came into my head, son. And in the years since, I ain't never heard of no torchbearer. It almost seems familiar, but I can't place it. Granddaddy rose from his seat. Well, we ain't gonna make any sense of it this evening. If you think of it, let us know. Tip, when you're ready, your guns are on the white bench and need some cleaning. But for now, I say we have some supper and relax while we can. (laughs) And since it's my house, what I say goes. Ain't nobody gonna argue with your cooking, Mose, Abel said. I am more than ready for it. I'm glad you feel that way. Now go out back and fetch me a chicken. Kill it and get it ready for cooking while you're out there. Oh, come on, Mose. Why, I gotta go when Lila... Lila looked at him, her face stern, one eyebrow raised. <clears throat> like I was saying, y'all can relax while I go get us a chicken ready. He made his way out the door, laughter following him out. Tep looked around the table. He had never had any other family than Granddaddy, and not many friends either. But he thought these beasts would do. Yep, they'd do just fine. That was Rough Beasts by Ryan Harville. A good reminder that the end times are upon us. The trumpets are a-tootin', the angels' bowls are a-spillin', and the pale horse has already left the stable. Just kidding, of course. Still, it's never too late to learn how to etch a glyph or two. Safety first, that's all I'm saying. A little about the author... Ryan Harville writes horror stories centered around the strange states that are buckled beneath the Bible Belt. He had stories featured in anthologies, magazines, and podcasts. Podcasts. He currently writes exclusively for the Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights Network and is a proud member of the Horror Writers Association. Ryan is currently floating in a tin can far above the world. The planet Earth is blue, and as much as he'd like to... There's absolutely nothing he can do. For more info, follow him on Twitter at rharvillewrites or visit his website at ryanharvillewriting.com. For more Drew Blood Ryan Harville collaborations, you can check out my playlist on the Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel and past episodes of this podcast. Ryan and I go way back, and thanks, man, for all your hard work and great stories. And by the way... It's my personal opinion that this was one kick-ass story, bro. Keep up the great work. Hey, do me a favor, would you? Subscribe to this podcast wherever you do your listening, and leave me a five-star review and maybe a kind word there, even if you're listening on YouTube. I need soldiers on all fronts to win this battle, and I appreciate it. To hear a premium ad-free edition of tonight's and all our other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of your screen. 
you'll find yourself at ChillinTalesForDarkNights.com, where you can become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program, all our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases. All of them ad-free and available to download or stream. Thank you for your time and for supporting our sponsors. When you support our sponsors, you support this show. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chillin' Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all our latest updates and new releases, and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You'll find me personally on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Stop on by, would you? I don't bite much. Well, I'm afraid this is where we part ways, at least till next week. So grab a drink for the road, friend. It's the least I can do to thank you for sticking around for a whole season. Here's to another. And a very special thanks to our kind and loyal YouTube listeners. Hannah Virginia Ray, Lindy Beaumont, Cynthia Porter, and Scully's House of Thrillers. You all have my dear appreciation and thanks. So may the wind be at your back, and may the road rise up to meet you. And since this is a family-friendly podcast, go make love to yourselves. <laughs> that just did not feel right. How about this? Go fuck yourselves. That's better. <laughs> Good night, y'all. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.